are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Wrestling Curiosities presents the unpredictable wrestling career of Andy Kaufman. Celebrity involvement in wrestling is pretty commonplace now. Mr. T and Rowdy Roddy Piper nose to nose in the center of the ring. But before the curtain was pulled back on sports entertainment, one TV star wanted to try it out. In doing so, the world watched as one of Hollywood's most beloved comedy stars became wrestling's most detestable bad guy. All the while, keeping the fans and his peers guessing as to where the line was drawn. Andy Kaufman is with us tonight, and uh, Andy has... Uh... <laughs> It's a little difficult to explain what Andy does. Uh, he, he will do it when he comes out, and in his continuing effort to succeed in show business, he's finished taping his very first television special for another network. Would you welcome Andy Kaufman? Thank you very much. I would like to tell the story of the, this aeroplane, and it was going to, to sink. So they had to get rid of uh, some people. So first, this man from Texas, he jumped out of the aeroplane, and as he jumped out, he said, remember the Alamo. And, and then the second man, he was from France. So as he jumped, he said, Viva la France! <laughs> so, so wait, wait. So, <laughs> so the, so then, the, the, uh, the, the man, it was only a man from England and a man from New York. So the man from England pushed out the man from New York. And as he pushed him, he say uh, something that it, it was very funny, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but, but it was very funny. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, how did Andy Kaufman go from Golden Globe-nominated babyface to the country's biggest heel? This 
was an event with origins in New York in the 1950s. Kaufman grew up on Long Island. He loved watching the wrestling. In fact, Andy was in the crowd the night that his favorite, Buddy Rogers, whipped the New York faithful into a chorus of frenzied boos before being battered by Bruno Sammartino. He's got him in the back breaker. Buddy Rogers is totally helpless and it's all over. San Martino wins in 55 seconds, a stunning defeat for Buddy Rogers, and Bruno San Martino is the new world champion of wrestling. Now that should have been an early indicator that a good baddie lay dormant in the sweet Andy Kaufman's mind. Kids his age were drawn to the heroic San Martino, but Andy said on multiple occasions he loved the swagger and the attitude of the original nature boy. It was apparent that Andy Kaufman's future lay in the world of entertainments. At just nine years old, he was putting on shows for other kids at birthday parties. As a young man, he honed his craft on the comedy circuit to a mixed response. It was with his memorable, obscure appearances as the awkward foreign man where he struck gold. You want to see me dance? <laughs> All right. I can sing. Could, could we stop the tape? <laughs> After Foreign Man appeared on Saturday Night Live, ABC essentially brought the character along with Andy and introduced the world to Lodka in the new sitcom Taxi. Well, I'm done. I want you hanging around the drivers. I need you on the third level to fix the can. <laughs> No, it's a very important phone call. It's a very bad time for English lessons right now, please. <laughs> all right, all right. While I'm waiting, what is it? Uh, lesson 12. Mm. Thank you, chambermaid, for your excellent service. I am glad I don't require medical assistance. <laughs> The reason I was late is because I was dancing around my apartment with joy. Oh, yeah? Hey, what happened? My beloved grandmother died. That's good news? No, that's terrible news. Bobby, what kind of a person are you? Look, I don't see how reading a bunch of magazines is going to make you more sophisticated. Well, Alex, I am not only going to read it. I am going to take a vacation from the garage. I'm going to lock myself in every spare minute. I'm going to study this playboy. As the first season of Taxi came to an end, and Andy Kaufman was on the verge of winning awards for his portrayal as Ladka, Jerry the King Lawler was the main attraction of the Continental Wrestling Association. Never thought I would really be standing here and you were the world title. Didn't I tell you you would? Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell everybody that I would be the world champion? And you're looking at it. You got to eat your words. A lot of people got to eat their words. Everybody's got to eat their words because I am the champion, baby. Look at it. Okay. Listen. 
Got to ask you, you got the world heavyweight title. You did what you said you were going to do. Now, you also hold the southern heavyweight title. Are you going to relinquish it and concentrate only on the world heavyweight? <laughs> oh, no, baby. Hey, you hear what he asked me? Am I going to relinquish the southern heavyweight title? No, I ain't relinquishing nothing. Let me tell you something. One title may be enough for some people, but not for me, because I'm going to get it all. And you know why? Because I'm good enough to have them all. Let me just make a little commercial. We got time for a little commercial message? Let me tell all you chumps out there, all of you wrestlers, everybody that's in earshot, send your pictures, send your applications to me, because I'm the world champion, I'm the southern champion, I'm looking for a partner, and I'm going to be the world tag team champion. So just send your pictures, send your applications to the king, I'm looking for a partner. You girls, send me your pictures too, I want to see what your dogs look like out there, baby. Eat your heart out, Russell. CWA, often referred to simply as Mid-South, was a breakaway promotion from the National Wrestling Alliance, promoted by Lawler and Jerry Jarrett. The king would become the promotion's champion after defeating superstar Billy Graham and would go to war with the likes of the fabulous Freebirds, Bill Dundee, Jimmy Hart, and people that would go on to do rather well for themselves, you know, like mean Mark Callis and Hulk Hogan. Lawler grabs him and starts belting him. So the king proving his toughness against the roughneck from Las Vegas. Lawler's got him up and puts him down on a body slam. Wheels down the top of wrestling attire. I got a score to settle with you, and when I get my hands on that big fat body of yours, I promise you, you're going to regret the day that you ever set foot in this television studio and that you ever laid eyes on the king of wrestling. That's a promise, brother. Memphis had Elvis, and now Memphis also had pro wrestling. Lawler, as the star of the show, was riding high in Tennessee. And he was about to gain the world's attention thanks to a sitcom star with itchy feet. There's only one thing you need in life and to make, make you happy, and that is friends. That's all you need is friends, and then you'll be happy. Right, Michael. So if you have friends, you, you'll be a happy, happy, happy person. You, you also need the food and clothes. <laughs> you, need, you need food and clothes, and you need the friends and the food and clothes. Then you'll be a happy person. Okay. And, and a nice car. So if you have your friends and the food and clothes and the nice car, this is all you need. You don't need anything else except a home. <laughs> you need the home, a nice house. And when your friends come over to visit you, they might want to take a dip. So you need the pool. <laughs> so let's add this up. You need the friends and the food and clothes and the car, and the house with the pool. And a beautiful woman uh, who have a nice body that make you the uh, foam, foaming at the mouth. And she will sit by the pool in the bathing suit. It's all, you don't need anything else. You need the friends, the food and the clothes, the car, the house with the pool, the beautiful woman that make the, the foam come out of the mouth. 
you know, as long as you have the, the house with the pool, the car, and the beautiful woman, the friends would only get in the way. <laughs> Forget I said anything. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Andy Kaufman loved comedy, but he never wanted to be a sitcom star. His agent really had to talk him into playing Ludka, promising him he'd do a few episodes and it would catapult him into the stratosphere. The writers, knowing how important Kaufman's foreign guy was to the show, came up with ways to keep their star enthused. This included letting Andy's imagination and creativity run wild. Ludka! Hey, man, what is your problem? <laughs> music in his garage. Well, I don't like this authority trip that you're always laying on me, man. Hey, you just wasted Elvis Costello. Latka, you're getting weirder every day. Now, I don't want to have to fire you for this because I was hoping to fire you just for no reason. Time for my uh, sparkling water break. Anybody want some? He's not coming out of this. If anything, it's getting worse. We're going on for a week now, night and day. Maybe somebody should talk to him. Hey, I tried. He just keeps telling me I'm one dynamite lady. I keep telling him that's beside the point. <laughs> Andy would also play Tony Clifton, a side of Andy Kaufman seldom seen by an audience that watches Taxi, a pig of a man that was, whilst unlikable, very entertaining. Not unlike a heel, in professional wrestling. When I first uh, became aware of you, uh, you seemed to actually come out of nowhere. You were working with uh, Andy Kaufman, the uh, talented comedian and actor. Well, I don't know about and talented. There was, there was uh, some discussion at that time that you, in fact, were Andy Kaufman uh, and that there is no uh, Tony Clifton. Well, other... I don't know anything about that. Uh, but... I'm not talking about Kaufman's been using my name to get places. And uh, so there is no truth to the, to the rumor that uh, you're actually Andy Cow. There's no truth in everyone whatsoever. That's total fabrication on your part. <laughs> well, no, I didn't, I mean, a lot of other people have said that. I know, many people are saying that, many people say a lot of things. I don't believe it, you don't believe it. I don't see it, you don't see it. Be it, clear it, hear it, me it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, look, you look like you're kind of a health nut. Do you work out? Yes, I do. <laughs> Kaufman was blurring the lines between reality and fantasy in other appearances. In 1981, he left everybody confused when he seemingly bailed on a sketch on Saturday Night Live. Now, in this next sketch, four friends, two married couples, are out to dinner on a Saturday night. Now, each one has secretly brought along a joint, thinking that for one reason or other, no one else in the group smokes dope. So when each person leaves the table, what he or she does is sneak into the restroom to get a little high. I can't play I don't... I can't play stoned. I feel really stupid. You can stupid. That's just great. That's just great. You feel stupid. I feel very stupid. You feel stupid. <laughs> I feel great. Let's have some bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? I feel stupid. You feel stupid. You feel, you feel very stupid. No, because where are you going? Well, 
Come on. Come on. Look, I'm just trying to have Bobby, everybody so Bobby tight around here. Everyone's so tight around here. I don't understand. Bobby, Bobby's got a commercial, man. Come on, man. Uh, hi, I'm John Moffat, producer Fridays. Um, the question that everybody has been asking me and my co-producer Jack Burns during the last week is, was the incident at the end of last week's show real or was it staged? Uh, we decided that Andy Kaufman would break into an improvisation and that only a few people would know about it. Andy, at risk to his career, became the villain of the piece so that we could try something that would really involve the audience really involve them this time and remind them of the spontaneity of live television, something which rarely happens in this basically passive medium today. And now, Andy Kaufman. I have agreed to appear on this program tonight to make a statement to confirm what Mr. Moffat has just said. Um, I agreed because ABC would like you to know the truth, we were supposed to digress from the script. I can't, I can't do this. I will not say it. This has been a very hard week for me. Why, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to be funny right now. This is true. Um, because of last week's show, my job uh, at Taxi is in jeopardy. My uh, agent and myself are finding it very hard to convince other people in the show business community to hire me for other television shows. Are you, and you're laughing at this. I think that your laughing at it is pretty tasteless. Even with the apology at the end, people are left scratching their heads. Some said it was all part of a sketch. Some have said otherwise. This was a customary thing with any Andy Kaufman media appearance. Was he really displeased with an interview? Was he really this eccentric? Was he having a bad day? Was this all just part of an elaborate work? to confuse those around him. Kaufman was a master of keeping us guessing, and one of his biggest, most enigmatic moments was still to come. I'm not really a wrestler. Through the last couple of years, and I've been doing it in my concerts, I've learned a lot about it by just doing it. But I wanted to recapture the old days of the carnivals, where in the, before television, you know, wrestlers used to go from town to town in carnivals and offer $500 to any man that could last in the ring with them for three minutes. So I figured if I could offer a prize and make it like a contest, it could get very, very exciting. And it turned out to be like one of the highlights, one of the most exciting parts of the concert. But I couldn't very well challenge men in the audience because I'd get beaten right away. I, I, mean, I mean, most men are bigger than me and stronger than me. So I figured if I challenge women, there are enough women who are almost as big or as big as me who they would have a good chance to beat me. 
It takes a certain way of thinking, a certain strategy. Women, I do not think, possess this. I just don't think they do. When it's a woman against a man, the woman does not possess it, the man does. Now, by the same token, there are times when women have more of this mental energy than men. For instance, in the kitchen. We're scrubbing the, the potatoes, washing the carrots, washing the carrots. Scrubbing the floors, raising the babies. And he wanted to take this performance piece to its full conclusion. An actual wrestling match in an actual wrestling ring in an actual wrestling promotion. He'd done stuff like this on a similar, smaller level, but he wanted it bigger. And along with his agent, Kaufman got in contact with the World Wrestling Federation. One of the biggest stars in television wanted to have an official wrestling match on WWF TV in Madison Square Garden. Vince McMahon Sr.'s answer was short and simple. No. McMahon said it was a terrible idea. It would bring embarrassment to the proud wrestling industry to have a random actor coming in to wrestle. Vince Sr. didn't want celebrities anywhere near his wrestling product. His son would go on to have other ideas, but that's a conversation for another time. After being turned down by the WWF, Kaufman's team met with wrestling magazine writer and all-round graps almanac Bill Apter. He loved the idea of this celebrity wrestling crossover, and he had a friend at a smaller promotion further south that was very very interested in getting involved. Oh yeah, music to my ears. Son of a gun. Hello again, everybody. Lance Russell and Dave Brown, and we're right along ringside all ready to kick it off for another big And day. like that, Kaufman's misogynistic masterpiece made it to Memphis. I um, uh, can verify the fact that it is certainly serious that gals are up there trying to take you apart, and you have no idea how good they are, how strong they are. You, you don't know when you get in there with them. I've never seen them before in my life, and they just come up there, and uh, I let the audience choose who I'm going to wrestle. I've never met a woman in the ring in the three and a half years that I've been doing this who was able to pin my shoulders to the ground, and it's embarrassing, but I'll keep doing it because they keep saying they want to try, and as long as there's women out there that want to try and humiliate themselves like that. Now, I'm not saying women are mentally uh, inferior to men because uh, when it comes to things like... Uh, or cooking and cleaning, washing the potatoes, scrubbing the carrots, raising the babies, mopping the floors. Uh, they have it all over men, I believe that. But uh, when it comes to the wrestling, when it comes to them getting in the wrestling ring, there's nothing up there. They're all oatmeal north of the eyebrows. They're all, uh, you know, we Tina for brains, you know what I mean? I will pay $1,000. I'll take on anybody who wants to come in that ring and volunteer. I don't think you can do it. You know why? Because I'm going to send you back to the kitchen where you belong. I'm going to have you scrubbing the potatoes and washing the, washing the carrots. Because that's where you belong, ladies. When the opportunity came along in November of 1981 to promote the CWA outside of their home state, Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler jumped at the opportunity. In a pre-Hulkamania world, this was the chance to bring wrestling and Hollywood together in a way that was seldom seen, and a way the WWF was seemingly vehemently against. Kaufman challenged any woman from the Mid-South Coliseum crowd to a wrestling match. If they won, they'd win thousands of dollars. The Mid-South Intergender Wrestling Championship. The chance to shave Andy's hair off. Andy's hand in marriage. The ante just went up and up and up. And Kaufman always found a way to defeat the femme fatales that faced him. The winner and still the intergender champion at 8 minutes 35 seconds, Andy Kaufman. 
After a very close encounter with a feisty unknown simply named Foxy, the pride of Mid-South, Jerry the King Lawler, finally stepped into the ring to intervene in Andy Kaufman's antics. Once again, the time, ladies and gentlemen, eight minutes, 35 seconds. You don't touch me! I am from Hollywood! I'll get Hollywood against you, baby! I'll sue you, baby! Lawler, I don't wrestle men! You don't touch me, baby! I'll sue you or everything you've got! You won't have anything left that I'm doing you! Jerry Lawler, upon hearing of lawsuits, offered a compromise. He's obviously got somebody taping this, or he's going to find out what I say. So if Andy Kaufman wants to live out his fantasy of being a wrestler, I can, I can let him live that out real easily, Lance. If he would st ever once step into the wrestling ring with a man, you would see what it would be like to be a wrestler, and it would end your fantasies and end your dreams in just about 30 seconds, and you would never want to be in a wrestling ring again. So if you want to do that, we can settle it two ways, Andy Kaufman. We can settle it in court, which you're case is a joke you know Lance I didn't I barely pushed the guy that's a joke or what I would propose and what I think everybody would love to see is Andy Kaufman come and get in the ring with a real wrestler and let him see what it's like to really wrestle how would that be? Sounds fine. Okay. Love it. Could you get like maybe get that message to Mr. Andy oh, Kaufman for I'm me? I'm sure that we will and I'll <laughs> I appreciate it. April the 5th 1982 over eight thousand packed into the Mid-South Coliseum to see what they had been clamoring for. Andy Kaufman getting a pasting from the King of Memphis. He didn't want any part of it. I ask you something, did you come down here to wrestle or act like an ass? Kaufman ducked and dived around Lawler for the first half of this match, but stopped running when Jerry Lawler offered him a free shot. He extended his head and bequeathed the Hollywood blowhard a free headlock, which Kaufman took with gusto. And Lawler right now is saying, here it is, come and get me in the headlock. I'm going to let you have this shot. Kaufman's not sure at all about it, but Lawler is. Come and get that headlock on me, Andy. Do your best. Moments later, Andy's feet were high in the air and he came crashing to the canvas. Slam! Kaufman! On a side suplex! Kaufman is down and maybe out. Now his leg's twitching. Lawler with a pile driver. Only the second move by Lawler and bang goes Kaufman. It's going to be a disqualification. Danny Davis, his manager, not believing it. Jerry Lawler finished off Andy Kaufman with his devastating pile driver, a move that had been banned from Mid-South due to its career-killing tendency. Lawler rolling caught. He's going to give it to him again. He figures he's already lost it. Andy Kaufman's personal manager, George Sapiro, is screaming at Lawler. He can see his star. Zamuda telling him to get him out of the ring. The crowd were on their feet as Kaufman was on his back. Soon after, an ambulance arrived to take Andy to a nearby medical facility where he stayed in a neck brace for the next 
three days. This wasn't part of the plan, though. Had Lawler really done that bad a number on Andy Kaufman? The answer is there to see in the footage from the match. Referee Jerry Calhoun speaks to Lawler, saying that Andy is asking for an ambulance. Jerry refuses, saying getting an ambulance would take too long and he just needs to be helped to the back. The referee returns moments later, saying Andy says he'll pay for it. He did too. And he paid for a hospital stay to be extended. For three days, he was in the hospital recovering, feigning from this great battering and bettering that he'd received. Andy was fine. Little bit of a stinger from the pile driver, but certainly not enough to warrant an ambulance, a neck brace for many months and a long stay in hospital. But Andy Kaufman wanted to make this look as real as he could. Every interview that Andy Kaufman conducted was a little bit different after this. His tone was soft and his eyes were sad. When asked about the wrestling match, he'd almost whimper as he admitted that pro wrestling wasn't the joke he made it out to be. For all intents and purposes, this braggadocious actor had been humbled by a professional wrestler. The showbiz world was talking about Andy Kaufman and Jerry the King Lawler and it led to both men being booked a few months later in a now infamous episode of Late Night with David Letterman. Andy Kaufman, the actor, comedian, and intergender wrestling champion, had his first wrestling match with a member of his own sex. The opponent was a very serious wrestling favorite named Jerry Lawler. Here now are the results of that match. Only the second move by Lawler. Disqualification. Danny Davis, his manager, not believing it. Jerry Lawler, six minutes and 50 seconds with a pile driver, has been disqualified. The winner by disqualification. Tonight, for the first time on network television, they meet face to face. Here are Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler. So the plan was to have Andy and Jerry Lawler meet on stage, bury the hatchet and sing a song together. Then they'll cut to break. It was going to be fine. A way of tying a knot in the whole wrestling storyline thing, allowing Andy to move on to other acting endeavors. That was the plan until a few hours before. Neither Lawler nor Andy were ready to wrap up their time together just yet and saw this as a chance to reignite the flame. So what did they decide to do? Well, they did what some of the greats of wrestling do. They called it in the ring, or in this case, on the set. They both went out to join David Letterman live on television, not quite sure where they were going to go, but they were just going to see how the mood took them. There are a lot of people watching who probably view wrestling as being uh, a show, a display, a demonstration. And, and this may be as the pinnacle uh, representation of that. It was this thing 
fixed or rigged? Are you guys really friends? Is it was it no, a scam? No, not at all. I, I, I can warm up to this guy. We were cremated together. <laughs> he is a wimp. That's exactly what he thought. He thought that's what he thought about wrestling. He thinks it's all a big joke, a big fix or whatever. And and then you're right. There are a lot of people that think that. Well, there's and you're just trying to prove a point because I was a Yankee and I heard this from so many people members. I was going down there and because there you believed all that stuff that I was. There are a lot of people that think that, David. And he was one of them. Mm -hmm. And I did to Andy and exactly what I would like to do to everybody that thinks that. You're lucky I didn't sue you. It was a chance to show him exactly what he's really like. If there were, would you? Because let me tell you something. My father said. My father said. My manager said. They all said that I had a right. I could have gotten a lawyer and I could have sued you for what you did and I didn't. And I just all I want is an apology. Even you asked me last time I was on your show if I if I was going to have a lawsuit and I could have sued you. I could have sued you for everything you're worth. And I didn't because that's I'm not that kind of a guy. Yeah. You know what? What kind of a guy are you? We're going to uh, pause here for station identification and get the hoses out here. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as you can tell, Andy Kaufman is here, sort of, and uh, Jerry, Jerry Lawler is also here, and uh, there's some nights I wish Tom were here, but that's not the case. Um, uh, is Andy, are you coming in here again, or...? I'm sick of this bullshit! You are full of bullshit, my friend! I will sue you for everything you have! I will sue your ass! You're a motherfucking asshole! As far as I'm concerned, you hear me? A fucking asshole! Fuck you! I will get you for this! To use those words on television, I apologize to all my friends. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you, you're a fucking asshole! A fucking asshole! A fucking asshole! I think, uh... I think, uh, I think you can use some of those words on TV. I'm not... But, but what you can't do is throw coffee. I've said it over and over again. Well, that about wraps this segment up. I want to uh, thank my guests, uh, Mr. Lawler. Jerry, thank you very much for being here, and uh, good luck to you, sir. And my thanks to Andy Kaufman. David Letterman later revealed that he knew that these two had flipped the script just before the show. He proved to be a master of kayfabe himself, selling it like a pro. The channel no doubt incurring a number of fines for the swearing that was dropped by Andy Kaufman shortly after. Later, Kaufman would threaten to sue NBC for $200 million. He threatened to buy the station and make it into a 24-hour wrestling channel. This, by the way, was 40 years before NBC themselves purchased their own 24-hour wrestling channel. Hi, Peacock. How are you doing? Lawler and Kaufman would continue to be infrequent rivals in Mid-South. Believe that, Jerry Lawler, you're the stupid one, and I got the last laugh. And you fan, you fan, you bunch of mayhem, you idiot. You mayhem, you idiot. You're so stupid. 
stupid. They are stupid. Hey, Jimmy. <laughs> you know, I'm from Hollywood. You should be from Hollywood, too. How could you stand it down here? The mentality, Tough. the mentality is so low. You're right. It is low. It is low, baby. It yeah. is low. Let me tell you something, Coffee. Let me tell you something. You little stinking, slimy wimp. That's all you are. And you stand out here, you're going to try to tell the people that you called Eddie Marlin and you asked to come down here and get back in the ring with me and he refused. That is nothing but a low-life lie. Anytime you want to come back to Memphis, anytime I can get my hands around your stinking little skinny neck, I would love it. So if you want to just, uh, if you want to come back and, and he's trying to tell somebody that Muhammad Ali taught you to box, the only thing you could box would be apples and oranges. If you want to come back to this ring, if you want to come back to Memphis, Come on, brother, the welcome mat is out because I would love to get my hands around your little neck. We'd see Andy Kaufman align himself with the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, and a selection of wrestling ne'er-do-wells in an attempt to destroy the king. Numerous stipulation matches between the two, such as handicap fights in Kaufman's favor, and even a boxing contest, kept their rivalry from completely fizzing out. Despite their best efforts, though, nothing came close to that wild night on April the 5th in 1982. Kaufman, through his aggressive protection of kayfabe, had earned a lot of respect from within the wrestling world. This led to a memorable 1983 film, My Breakfast with Blassie, in which Andy Kaufman dined out with one of the finest heels of a generation, classy Freddie Blassie. When I had talked to Fred on the phone, he had suggested we meet here at Sambo's downtown, since it was located conveniently between the wrestling arena and his hotel. To me, it was a long bus ride, but it's not every day you get to eat with the king of men. Today, Fred is the top wrestling manager in the world and also a part-time recording star, while I'm a world-famous TV star and part-time wrestler. Fred and I have both coined phrases which are now household words in America. With me, it was, thank you very much. While for years, Fred has waged a one-man war against what he calls pencil-necked geek. Okay. Thank you. What are you thanking him for? He didn't do anything that he wasn't supposed to do. Just showed us our table. You don't have to thank him. He didn't do anything. Yeah, well, you don't have to be that nice. Jesus. This was a satire of the 1981 movie My Dinner with Andre, a really simple film with two guys chatting about life and morals and such. Here, Kaufman talks wrestling, life, personal hygiene. Fred Blassie complains about the service, the food, the people in the restaurant. They get into a bit of a disagreement with the table next to them. Uh, some guy ends up being ill near to them. It's joyful. It's uncomfortable. It's a very special viewing experience. And it's something that Andy Kaufman deeply loved doing. You know going to have some eggs? Is it all right with you if I, if I uh, take off my jacket? Certainly. You know, I mean... Uh... We're friends of long standing. You can do anything you want. Okay. If you want to get up and dance a jig, you can dance a jig, do anything. Okay. Been a long time since we've seen each other. Yeah. I'll You're be... doing real well. I just returned from a trip from Japan. Oh, really? I was over there for three weeks. I enjoy going to Japan. Uh, my wife is Oriental, you know, she's from Japan. So it makes it very nice. I mean, I go over on business and she goes over on pleasure. She goes with you to Japan? Oh, certainly, certainly. Uh, she's my interpreter when I go. I wouldn't go over there without her. Bacon and, no, sausage and eggs. No, no pancakes. Uh, cottage cheese. 
and uh, you have rye toast or whole wheat. Whole wheat. Whole wheat. Whole wheat. No, I'll have uh, milk. Coffee's not the uh, keeps me awake. Even if you have it in the beginning of the day. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I can't stand that caffeine. Thank you. First time I've ever seen a pregnant waitress. <laughs> Andy Kaufman would have to say farewell to the wrestling world. He'd been diagnosed with lung cancer in late 1983 and began a litany of therapies soon after. His final appearance was at the premiere for My Breakfast with Blassie. The radiation treatment had taken almost all of Andy's hair, but he styled it out in classic Kaufman form by dressing as a biker with a mohawk for the event. Uh, I just want to take a second to say that uh, everybody here involved with the production of our show is uh, uh, deeply saddened uh, over the death of Andy Kaufman. Andy's uh, presence and appearances on our show always brought a lot of fun and, and real excitement. He, uh, he certainly was unique, and uh, we're going to miss him. Thank you. Just a few months later, May 16th, 1984, Andy Kaufman passed away. He was just 35 years old. Many believed this was all a prank, as his alter ego, Tony Clifton, was still taking stand-up comedy bookings. A book was even published in 2014 saying that Kaufman would be revealing himself to the world any day now. Even in death, Andy Kaufman is keeping kayfabe alive. Yeah, I know it's not a pleasant subject, but I just wanted to ask because you were so uh, prominent in uh, his wrestling career. Uh, we, we saw the uh, sad news about Andy Kaufman passing away, and I just wondered uh, if you had any comments to make about it. Well, you know, that, that is changing the subject, and I got some more I want to say about Humongous, but really, I am not, you know, I've had calls all all week ever since uh, you know ever since Andy Kaufman did pass away I've had calls from TV stations all across the country wanting to know my comments about you know about Andy Kaufman's death I'm really the wrong person to, to talk to about that you know I I didn't I, I didn't like Andy Kaufman Andy Kaufman didn't like me uh, I'm sorry that the guy's dead but I would think that you know I, I always thought that when somebody dies you talk to somebody that that thought a lot of them I hope that if I die they don't interview Jimmy Hart because you know I can imagine what he's gonna say about it those were Jerry the King Lawler's comments on the passing of Andy Kaufman and to, to listen to them as a capsule listen they sound really cold like why would you continue to keep up the pretense of wrestling when somebody has actually died the truth being, Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman were really good friends. Jerry lifted the lid on the relationship he had with Kaufman many years later. Andy's desire to protect and enhance the business endeared him to the Mid-South Wrestling fraternity and to Jerry Lawler, who were very protective of the business. If anything, the speech that Jerry Lawler gave after the passing of Andy Kaufman would have been exactly what Andy Kaufman wanted. Andy's desire to boost the wrestling industry is further demonstrated in the way he dealt with the business outside of the ring. Jerry Jarrett would write big checks for every Andy Kaufman appearance in Mid-South Wrestling. He would send them to Andy Kaufman's home, and Andy never cashed a single one. You know what, Mr. Lawler? I've heard all these things you've been saying about me on television. You want to wrestle me? You want to wrestle me, my infant style? All right, fine. 
I'm not afraid of you, Mr. Lawler, because let me tell you something. True, I only wrestle women, but I've wrestled women that are a lot bigger and stronger than you. Matter of fact, they're probably smarter than you because you don't have any brains. You're from Memphis, Tennessee. All you do is plow the fields and farm and the farm and the Is that how you talk from Memphis, Tennessee, Mr. Lawler? It really doesn't make any difference to me when Andy Kaufman comes out on television and he says, uh, that he hates Jerry Lawler or what he wants to do to Jerry Lawler or what he what he thinks of Jerry Lawler that's fine when he's talking to me because you see I know that somewhere sometime down the line I'm gonna have an opportunity to get my hands around that scrawny little neck of his and squeeze it until his eyeballs pop out Jerry Lawler loves talking about his time in Memphis he also talks a lot about women he fancies but mainly his time in Memphis Whilst his wars with the likes of Jackie Fargo, Bill Dundee and Eddie Gilbert are heralded as some of the most gripping the industry has seen, none of them transcend the industry quite like the one he had with one of America's most beloved and hated sitcom stars. All the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes. Search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.